I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. And, once again, Dante. <laughs> it never ends. Yay! <laughs> right? R- right? I mean, uh... Yay, qualified yay. Uh, I am Jacob. <laughs> I challenge you to be Victoria. <laughs> I accept the challenge. <laughs> Your entire life has been leading up to this moment. <laughs> it's true. Finally! And that guy over there is Jamin. Uh, in actually ancient Sanskrit, the word Jamin means enabler of Victoria. So this is my wow. destiny. Wow. This is, wow. That's wow. spelled Dinger, capital four, exclamation point. Ooh. So did anybody bring anything to the party this week? I did. I brought a drink, as is my way, the way of my people. It is called the We Don't Want to Hear Your Mixtape. Wait, really? <laughs> I'll I'll have a double. (laughs) Make mine a double. (laughs) The We Don't Want to Hear Your Mixtape has one and a half ounces of Rika vodka, one half ounce sweet vermouth, one half ounce Cabernet Sauvignon, one quarter ounce Luxardo syrup, one bar spoon of Lafrogue single malt whiskey, and a lime twist for garnish. This is a very ironic drink, I think. What, What part of it sounds ironic to you? Uh, mixing syrup in a dry, a dry red wine? Yeah, I was wondering about the wine. I feel like that's a bridge too far, which may be the case with most mixtapes, too. And, and then malt? I think maybe it's a drink that's full of surprises. Or things that don't go together. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I see mm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I brought some entertainment, and Woo-hoo! I'm going to have to back the truck in on this one. Beep, beep, beep. Being driven into the mouth of a vast and twisted worm-fanged, all-devouring boar vulture by devils with heads at both their ends. Inside, your hair will be burned by hideous horned dogs, your heads will be burned off by lice, and your eyes will be pulled out by poisonous, poison-phallist cows with no hope of escape. So, everything in that is everything you love. Like, I feel like this was rigged. You got worms, you got poison heads phallus in various cows? parts. <laughs> yeah, he did write the script that generates this. I, yeah, so. I did. Mm-hmm. I was thinking multi-headed worm cows show up quite frequently. Just a lot of the elements that can explode into one, two, or three things exploded into one, two, or three things in this one. It's also a lengthier one than usual. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was this, a more epic uh, mm-hmm. one, yes. There's something in the in the log- logarithm. <laughs> That's a rabbit. <laughs> it's a rabbit's <laughs> internal process. There's something in the algorithm that makes adverbs duplicate. So like poison, poison phallus. That's That's been a recurring thing, and I'm not sure where the logic is there. Is that like some sort of pre-Christian naming? Thing? Like, you know, the... Oh, <laughs> like very, sort of a Beowulf very Norse, thing. like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Edwin, poison, Edwin poison, phallist. Yeah, maybe. Son of poison, the poison phallist. Speaking of awkward segues, I brought mm-hmm. dinner. Oh. Oh. Hmm. This is on a recipe, damndelicious.net. Mm-hmm. That's an auspicious beginning. I know, right? It's avocado pasta. Oh. It's got so- garlic, basil, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. tomatoes, 
mm-hmm. lemon juice, olive oil, and the fat instead of like Alfredo sauce, it uses avocado. And the, the pasta, picture, the pasta is not made of avocado. Oh yes, you, right. We just because use regular old vanilla pasta. A lot of this stuff is very confusing. I find in your recipes. <laughs> Could you make avocado pasta? Yeah. Oh, you mean like zucchini zoodles, where you just slice them in thin strips? Or like actually, you know, like squid ink pasta, or is avocado too fatty? Oh. There's not a lot of fat in pasta. It's like flour and water, but you could do stuffed mm-hmm. ravioli. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week for avocado ravioli. <laughs> not a bad or idea. Or like, um, what are they, uh, manicotti, or is that right? The little. Oh, what's the dessert ones? Uh, Cano- cannoli. Avocado cannoli? Avocado cheesecake cannoli. Oh, tune in the week after next for diabetes. It's worth a shot. But, I mean, this recipe actually looks pretty good. I I might make you make this later. Except when I clicked on the thumbnail, everything looked good. And I've got little sliced cherry tomatoes mixed in. But then there's just corn randomly Corn? Look, Look at this. It's gorgeous. But there's like 12 kernels of corn just mixed in. It confuses me. That is very weird. I'm it's- going to make this pasta <laughs> without corn. I'm sorry, I, damndelicious.net. That sounds so weird to have corn and pasta. But it's, anywho. It looks weird. Yeah. It just seems too, too I don't know, new world. I guess avocados are kind of new world, too. Avocados are very new world, yes. Yeah. If you're huh. listening at home and you hate corn, go to damndelicious.net and leave a comment. What if you treat it like the, the Mexican street corn, though? <gasps> Ooh, I love Mexican street Elo- corn. Avocado elotes? Mm. Avocado elotes pasta. Avocado. Mm. So it'd be avocado, mayonnaise, corn, chamoy, and like two mango cubes. There's not chamoy. I don't like mango. Yeah, you can get chamoy in it. Yeah, but it's not generally. Like, that's, that's that would be a special add-on. So for our retreat... <laughs> Avocados. <laughs> Avocados. And poisonous poison phallus cows. <laughs> we already got that. Um, and, and maybe, uh, one of these drinks. Okay. Some or, drinks. or the avocado ale that Jamin posted earlier. Oh, oh I yeah. actually, this actually looks really good. Angel City Brewery in Los Angeles mm-hmm. makes an avocado colch. Can we get it here? That would be fun. I'm going, well, I've, let's go to Specs. Yeah. Let, you know, Specs does do go. special orders. It's true. Maybe for our retreat, we go to Specs. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with that. So this week we're going to take a reflective look back upon Dante and our journey with him and our journey with Virgil and most importantly Dante's journey with Virgil. That was and a long whole, time ago. Yeah, the will they, won't they thing that, I mean, I think every Dante scholar agrees is just embedded in the text. Mm-hmm. It's not even subtext, it's just right there, sexual tension. It's canon. Yeah, it's, the entire thing is basically a carpe diem. Directed at Virgil, who is dead. <laughs> uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we've gone into entirely new direction here. <laughs> Do you hear that? That's the sound of me not commenting. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob has just cracked himself up. I think for the first time ever. He's turning podcast, slightly red. He is speechless. I really yeah. think I'm funny. <laughs> Also, my room has weird lighting effects. It does make you're kind of glowing in a in a sort of hell hellfire way. December 20, 2021. Jacob makes a joke. <laughs> <It> hurt. 
<laughs> so There's plenty of jokes. So we're tackling the Dante and Virgil Inferno mixtape today. And there's two sort of competing narratives that we've been weaving together. There's the whole mixtape as sublimated love offering or understated, unstated, ironic affection gift. Mm-hmm. And the mixtape as a memento of the Inferno journey. That's my side, by the way. And these are kind of in tension with each other. Or um, are they? I Well, I think they're in tension, but not in conflict. There's a difference. Hmm. I would say so. Because I feel okay. like... Okay, personal story. When I have made, I think I've made essentially one mixtape with intention, like trying to, uh, one mixtape as a rhetorical device. And my rhetorical strategy on that mixtape was to be like, to kind of like come up to the cliff of being romantic and then back off with something funny, but then throw in kind of don't you forget about me moments like, Right. Remember we had this thing. Remember we had this thing. Now I'm almost going to say how I feel about you, but then I'm going to put something silly on here. So I feel like it's a constant dance. You can always back away from your emotion in this too. You don't have to like mm-hmm. state anything up front. You could just say, oh, that was the next song or something. You know, Right, exactly. When, like- when you put in creep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that would be a good question. Like what would be the worst possible song to put on a mixtape? Creep. <laughs> well, it depends on what your it depends on what your goals are. Anything by Raffi. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like I don't know. I'll have to. Think I, I, about well, again, that. it depends on your intentions. Like if this right. is a romantic mixtape, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Ava Adore, definitely not. Well, <clears throat> anyway. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if it's one of Abba's later breakup songs, like the winner takes it all, was that yes, a later one? That was okay, a good, that's a that'd good be one. a good bad one. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of stalkery songs are not, they're always on there, but they're not good. So this is self-evidently going to be the greatest mixtape of all time in the world, because that's, oh, yeah. how, that's how Dante mm-hmm. rolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of the numerology, we've kind of consented that there's going to be 34 songs on this particular two-tape thing. But this is the tape that Dante's going to give to Virgil right before he banishes Virgil to hell and walks off with his untouchable girlfriend. So I think it's going to be an epic 64, no, 68 song collection, <laughs> which when you layer on the burden of a mixtape itself, which is you have to listen to all of this to determine what you mean to me. I think this is going to be the ultimate double edged gift. So listening to the mixtape will actually take longer than the journey through the Inferno did. It's going to be close. It's like yeah. not 24 hours, but... Um, mm-hmm. Well, you have to start listening on Easter <gasps> to Ooh. get the full experience. Ooh, so this is like a dark side of the moon, yes. Wizard of Oz situation. Hmm. Right, right, right. You play the mixtape while listening to the Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> and the immediate question, what translation do I use? <laughs> Higgins worth long bottom. Henry Woods wiggles snuffle wiggles. Mm, mm. I think he's now a lord, right? Lord snuffle wiggles. He's a personage of some fashion. So, shall we begin? And how do we begin? Oh my gosh! Yeah, let's. How do we begin? I just want to give a shout out to. We had several contributors um, that we will name throughout 
the uh, throughout our conversation. And um, so we thank each and every one of them for their their brain power and creativity and extensive song catalogs. I did have an unwilling contributor. I leaned very heavily on a really fun music blog called The Musical Hype, mm, which had mm-hmm. two Dante's Inferno mixes, although none of them are as of majestic a length as this one will be. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing will. I mean, this place already has like this, this, this uh, mixtape already has its place amongst the other mixtapes. At the of, top, of all, of course. Of all time. Of all, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They nod in each other's general direction. So let's start with a slow introduction. So we have a couple of options on this first one, kind of a, again, slow introduction piece. I threw out Nirvana's Lake of Fire, which is a remake of the Meat Puppets Lake of Fire. Very and it's gar- vastly better. I am inclined to agree there. It's a little less garage band, a little more melodic and thoughtful. People cry and people moan, looking for a dry place to call their home, try to find some place to rest their bones while the angels and devils try to make them their own. I like the anti-religion streak in this one. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I It's one of those um, Nirvana songs where you realize, like, oh, yeah, Kurt Cobain actually had quite the voice. Yeah, I wish. Heartbreaking yeah. because of that. I wish I'd encountered this one before the 90s really began. I would have felt better about the 90s as a decade. I remember this in high school. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Well, this one, you guys this one I actually young. listened to. It's true. <laughs> Youths. Youths. Yeah, I've never heard that. I, I didn't get a chance to listen to the Meat Puppet one, but it's at the, at the end of the YouTube clip, doesn't somebody say, this is the Meat Puppets? To yeah, that, that version was Nirvana performing with the Meat Puppets. Oh, the Meat Puppets were... Oh, yeah. gotcha. I don't know if an actual studio version of that one exists. Like every version of the Meepo, that song I've heard, it just sounds like either somebody holding a tape recorder up at a live show or them doing their best in their garage. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. We had some other options though. We were kind of throwing around. So uh, we're, this is also where we were thinking about Mad World, right? Yeah, I think so. So we have several options for Mad World's. There's, of course, the Tears for Fears version. There's also the uh, one from Donnie Darko, Gary Jules, and then also the Cody Frost version on the uh, the Voice UK, which right. is very, like, that and the Gary Jules version are very similar and yet different, different yeah. resonances. One is more sad bastardy, yeah. the other one is more sort of dark angel Right. Yeah. Good. Good comparison points, and good. Good for Christmas too. I think Cody mm-hmm. Frost as a selling point is particularly good for Christmas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you heard the Evergreen Terrace cover? No. No. It's it's angry screamy metal. Except you you enjoy angry screamy metal, don't you, Jamin? Uh no. Negative. I don't like screamy music. Okay. I like okay. my metal singers to enunciate. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good distinction. Right. I feel like I am trying to, I'm trying to finesse my understanding of all, both of y'all's musical taste Mm -hmm. through these exercises because I'm, I see a Venn diagram Mm. 
And I'm just sort of trying to figure out what the actual contours of that Venn diagram are. So no screamy, articulated. The overlap between his and mine is super weird. Like we like some, we both really like some great stuff. And then it's just, yeah, it's Ben. But no, I I like articulation. I don't like screamy, guttural growls. Mm -hmm. Um, No cookie monster. No, no cookie monster. There's a place... Yeah, there's an intersection like classic rock and world that we both kind of agree on. Hmm. Okay. And then Jacob and I have like quirky and dancey. Yes. Quirky, dancey, and big 40s. Overlap. 40s yeah. and electro swing. Yeah, I, I have a, a deep love of retro as well. Mm-hmm. And a love hate relationship with novelty songs. Right, me too. Me too. And Jamie, you and I have a metal. We have we have a a love of certain kinds of because there's a lot of like really performative metal that I like and just kind of purest metal. Like I love ACDC and I like Mm. Judas Priest and stuff like that. Like classics, classic metal. Are we okay with putting Nirvana's Like a Fire as the, the number one on the world's greatest mixtape set? Yes. Song number one. Song number mm-hmm. one, yes. Yes. Depending on the mood for this tape, do you do you feel we should go with Gary Jules or Cody Frost? I mean, for an honorable mention for this top slot, I like them both a lot. Gary mm-hmm. Jules is just better inclusion for a, for a mixtape, though. It's more classic. And I think like, the sad bastard thing works. Yeah. And I don't want the first song to call too much attention to itself, which I think right. the, the, the Cody Frost one kind of would for its novelty. Good point. Mm, good good point. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is an experience. <laughs> yes. And she's way more acrobatic, which also seems out of place here. Like vocally acrobatic. Another honorable mention in kind of the, like, as we start to enter hell is or was it's a sin. Yes. I will, I will, I will own that I deleted from the list. I know, but, and and that is okay. I'm not going to stake too much of my identity on it, but I do have a little side story about Pet Shop Boys hatred. Okay, <laughs> okay. Because I feel like this is one of those things, like deviled eggs, where again I'm kind of collecting data on who does and does not like Pet Shop Boys and the vehemence with which they dislike Pet Shop Boys. And so I've known three people in my life who despise the Pet Shop Boys. One, they're all straight dudes. And one went so far as to make his own like angrily magic markered t-shirt oh, that said, I hate the Pet Shop Boys. That's, and he would wear it like every day. That's a little, a little bit troubling. So what is it? What is it? Because I also know, I know one straight guy who likes the Pet Shop Boys, and I know lots of gay men who love the Pet Shop Boys. Am I, am I one of the straight guys who just likes the Pet Shop Boys? You are, but you're, okay. not, as, you're okay. not as vehement as some other ones. That you, you bring up a good point, because with people I talk to, people either love them or despise them. I've never met anyone who's ambivalent to them. You're like, right, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. they're on the radio. Because I love yep. them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I'm I towards them. They are an artist from that period that I like. Why do you ruin everything I say? <laughs> but they keep coming out with really great albums. I will just throw that out Yeah, there. I mean, their au revoir is quite good. Mm-hmm. This is not a one-hit wonder. And things I like about this song, uh, the video, is really spot on for like the medieval cathartic sin thing. Because there's a lot of argument of like faith and self-loathing and the live at Wembley Stadium version has like this weird Hermanus Bosch costuming thing going on. Mm -hmm. It would have been a good choice. I am sacrificing this on the altar of the number 17. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, But just another point, because as I, as I kind of like gather data on Jamin, what about the ghost version? Do you not like the ghost version either? This was hard because I like Ghost. It was well done. It was well produced. I didn't uh-huh. like the song. Okay. Right? All right. So, Data point. Thank you. I didn't find the Ghost <laughs> version transformative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was It was pretty much like a direct cover. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they, a, they didn't really interpret it too uh-huh. well. Too, too, not well, but uh, too, they didn't add much of their own to it. But I did, I still, I, I, re, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was well yeah, done. I, I think, it was well done. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate this. So, song 2 and song 3. I think there's an interesting sort of dynamic pair here. Mm, um yes. we still aren't getting into the gates of hell properly, but these two songs are kind of a conversation between the two great loves of Dante's life besides Dante, um mm-hmm. namely Beatrice and Virgil. Yes. And they're both kind of untouchable because Beatrice is untouchable and I think you just sort of go through Virgil if you try yeah, to Yeah, Virgil's touch a ghost. Yeah. A shade. Oh, so, okay, okay, right. Mm-hmm. It was a play on words. <laughs> this was probably the first song I suggested because I instantly went to the place of this being a rhetorical tool that Dante is presenting to Virgil to speak of his unrequited love and to continue that, that poetic device. And so I felt like Father Figure by George Michael fits exactly that moment uh, when Virgil and Dante meet and Dante sort of gives himself over to Virgil's uh, tutelage and protection because the song itself is about wanting to be a kind of protective figure. I mean, it's actually kind of ambiguous. Like, do you want to be the protective figure or do you want to be protected? It's also got a lot of like coded gay stuff in it too. Like exactly the, the whole yes, yeah, daddy father figure. Yep. It's not really it's subtle. Different. I mean, you know, no, some, something sacred in your eyes, bolted naked at your side. Yep, 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 yep. And it, that's a tension that George Michael was aware of because he wasn't out yet. Oh, <laughs> and he wasn't out yet, but he was attracted to men. So you know, he he was recognizing that this is his this is who he is however he was also still experiencing like he wanted that kind of father figure in a man but he found that he was being treated as that person a protector um, by women who were attracted Mm. to him because of that even though he was only 24 he still 
sort of gave off this protective vibe. And even Princess Diana yeah, was after the, him. Yeah, it's the safe thing that a lot of gays yep. kind of radiate. Mm-hmm. Safe so, like, women would flock to him to try to get that. Yeah, you put on the earring and it doesn't make you any more threatening. Right, right. But it's like, yeah, and it wasn't as overtly, again, like the sort of like tiger beat uh, version of sex, you know, like, okay, this is not really threatening. It's just slightly titillating. It's kind of, it's romantic rather than lustful. So, titillating you know, tutelage. This- <laughs> uh, we're going to contra- contrast this for a Beatrice break. Mark Scarborough suggested, specifically regarding the people running around in Canto 15, sodomite interlude that they're probably listening to andy gibb and yes yes they are but we're bringing it up here because this is kind of he's about to step into hell he's trying to kind of trying to decide which of his two loves of his life he's going to be taking with him for the journey at least the temporary journey (laughs) of the (laughs) inferno so i'm going to suggest andy gibbs wherever you are for this one You know, I'd never heard this song, and I can't believe that. So, strong disco vibe. There's a little bit of Yacht Rock in here. This is kind of early 80s disco. Mm-hmm. I do like Yacht Rock. Yeah, I, I'm kind of getting some of the edges of that. We're, we're, we're dipping a toe into easy listening, but it's still got disco sensuality in it. Um, very straight, I think, overall. And this is a love song for uh, between a, a, a beautiful girl and an ordinary guy. What did you just say? Disco sexuality? Is that what you just said? Se- I think he said sensuality. Sensuality. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then disco sensuality. Did you just invent that? I hope not. I mean, I, I think... <laughs> I think you should own it. I like that. Listeners, you heard it here first. December It's 20, like Wessonality. Uh, this song is, I think, about a very big love and a somewhat un- unattainable love as well. So a good Beatrice number as well. Um, and maybe this is from the puppet, paper puppet version, but the line, I see your face in the sky and the moon and the stars also kind of spoke to me of Beatrice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, to your point that you mentioned earlier about this sort of duality of Dante, the, the Dante's loves is represented very well by the song and father figure. But our next step takes us through the gates of hell. Yay! With with Crypteria's Get the Hell Out of My Way. I love this song. And you're about to save your all so precious life, but you I, like again, most of my contributions to this list were songs I already own and are in my library. Literally, as I was just like, I was just on my playlist listening, working, and this song comes up. And but yeah, it's like, I'll eat your worthless little soul at the gates of hell tonight, and you will die. You know, it's like, oh, this is <laughs> this is exactly what we're. And I was actually listening to this probably while reading Dante. It's mm-hmm. so triumphant, but then. It specifically, it just, it, it evokes that specific scene there at hell with, you know, the gates and the, the demons and the man with the magic wand. It was great. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like a later Christian hell, 
but I think the subtext is like this is something screaming abandon all hope, and that is the gates there. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. I get that. I'd never heard of them before. I like the Latin break where they chanted Latin. Combat, yes. captivity, domination, misery, sadness, and despair. <laughs> no, 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 no. Say it in Latin. Latin rapping is Agnositus always Agnositus, a... captivitas, dominatio, miseria, tristitia, desperatio. <laughs> wow. Sure, I failed Latin there. Another data point, which I'm sure you, you already knew. I like ladies with big lungs. Yes, this is like female meatloaf. You, ladies with big lungs. If right. she's yes, got yes, big yes, lungs, yes, yes. Uh-huh. like click subscribe, she- download. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She really does. Yeah, I could see that totally. Yeah, I, I again, like you're. I, I like the meatloaf comparison because I, <laughs> I have a, a weird love for meatloaf, even though he's kind of terrible as a person because he has big lungs. He's just like I love. I love people who are like kind of over the top like mm-hmm. orchestration yeah fun yeah the band fun really eats yes. from the meatloaf drop yep 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 like i really kind of appreciate that sort of spectacle of it so i feel your next choice kind of goes in very the opposite direction it's it's a fairly low-key piece it is yeah and just like damon like these were all songs that i am familiar with and they are very idiosyncratic i must say but i think we need to have Nowhere Man by the Beatles as a representation of Limbo, specifically the souls that are running back and forth, chasing banners, mm. um, because of the whole line specifically, doesn't have a point of view, knows not where it's going to. Isn't he a bit like you and me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. But the song itself is is interesting uh, because, as, as Jacob had noted, Lennon he had been struggling. They were trying to get uh, Rubber Soul done, and so Lennon had been struggling um, for a while for a new song. Uh, and then he took one of his famous naps. Supposedly, John Lennon at this time uh, slept more than he did anything else, <laughs> and he was kind of possessed by the song um, when he woke up. But also a lot of some of the things I read talked about how he is uh, also the song is about himself, mostly because he was feeling kind of isolated in his new home in Weybridge. And he was just kind of like turning inward deeply at that time because of the mayhem of Beatlemania. So this was kind of a retreat of himself. But then McCartney also talked about it later saying that when uh, he showed up to write with John the next day, he was napping on the couch, bleary eyed. And John told him later that he'd written it about himself, feeling like he wasn't going anywhere. And as McCarty says, I think it was actually about the state of his marriage. It was in a period where he was a bit dissatisfied with what was going on. However, it led to a very good song. He treated it as a third person song, but he was clever enough to say, isn't he a bit like you and me, me being the final word. Mm. So, there's this kind of sense also of Dante's condition at this moment in the... Oh, midway you know. through the journey of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a seasonal twist here that I think is worth talking about, both yes. for its Christmas spirit and the sheer hellishness of it, which is that in the 1968 Beatles fan Christmas album, they put a Tiny Tim cover of this song to the mix, 
It is a mess. It is a mess. (laughs) I intentionally didn't click that link. Oh, I have a a weird fascination with him. Well, I'll be playing it right now. For those of you following along at home, I didn't listen to that episode, so we're fine. It's true. He ran around his room screaming. uh, Articulating. He ran around his room articulating. (laughs) But I have to say, like, one of my also worst uh, Halloween choices was one Halloween when I, this was in college, when I went as Tiny Tim, and again, nobody knew who I was. I had to keep singing to people to get them to figure out who I was. You know, I've got his hair. I bet I could have done that really well. You totally could have back back then. I had hair, and I had a terrible perm, and <laughs> I had a ruffly shirt and a ukulele. So I was, and 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 pretty thick eyebrows. So I was pretty. I was all set. So I want to embrace this fact. Like we've gone from big voice, well orchestrated, to kind of well nowhere man. And this is very mixtapey, right? Because. When you build an album, when you produce an album, you want songs to flow together, where the next, mm-hmm. where the song leads to the next song to the next song. This is a very jarring break, but that's part of it. That's part of it. It's like this is the emotions I'm feeling right now. Now this is the emotions I'm feeling right now. Right. And the next next couple of songs are fairly kind of slow and down to earth. I, I mm-hmm. think you can definitely say that of Jezebel with, uh, by Recoil. This was a suggestion. This was a suggestion by uh, Zopher from our Discord chat. Thank you very much Woo-hoo. for this. I had never heard it before, and I love it. Yeah, it's kind of good. Awesome. Yeah. So. The music from this is from the Golden Gate Jubilee Quartet, probably from Alan Lomax's Ethnomusicology Recordings. And the, the producer, uh, Alan Wilder, just overlays this kind of sinister vibe to everything. And the music video, it like translates some of the characters into like phantoms, and there's this kind of psychopomp-esque dog strolling through a lot of the footage. It's a really eerie video and a really eerie song, and I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. We had some back and forth over this because we, I think we started out putting it in Temptress's section, mm-hmm. but I'm putting it here uh, in Canto 5, which is where we meet Minos, the judge of the dead, because this song fundamentally is about judgment. If you watch the video, the final shot is this kind of preachery character standing on the beach with the word judgment written in the sand. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, and I know, um, I mean, I'm kind of opening a hipster can of worms, but... It reminded me a lot of a Moby song called Run On, hmm. which has the same kind of sampling of a spiritual, which I also love that song because it's very downbeat and creepy. And again, it's it's this very kind of uh, sinner repent kind of song. But I'm wondering if it's I need to look into the Moby song to see where that sample came from, because I wonder if it's from the same collection, essentially. A bit of backstory on this one. It was from a concept album, Liquid, that was about a sort of near-death experience. 
The producer and his wife were driving down the road, and a bomber plane smashed to the ground in front of them. The pilots were both killed, kind of a near miss for them. And so this album is kind of about death and its eminence. Uh, the first and last song are called Black Box. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it until now. Oh, well, I mean, Light that's bulb. fine. <laughs> Well, thank you. That Yeah, that was a really good suggestion. The next. And, oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just going to bridge the next one. Well, this is appropriate because I felt like the next song is a duet. Well, it's sometimes sung as a duet. Really? And we're kind of, I've, I've seen it sung as a duet. And I think you and I are kind of doing it. Are we talking about one. the same song? I have no idea at this point. We're talking about Ring of Fire. Uh, by Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash. Yes, uh-huh. not by Johnny Duke Cash. Cash. Uh-huh. popularized by Johnny Cash by his wife. Yep. The song is yep, a yep, yep, is yep. a love song about, well, not a love song, but it's about Johnny Cash's love and how burning and fiery that is. Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down as well as substance abuse, the kind of chaos that substance abuse brought into their lives. And yeah, like she, she is the, the songwriter and really made it famous. And it's also, I mean, it's the perfect depiction of a more foe, the, you know, an obsessive love that is destructive. Uh-huh. Is this one of the, the seven Greek loves? No, I don't think so. That's a, Fr- that's a very French love. It is a very French love, but this is for Francesca and Paolo, right? Oh. I mean, this is this is what because they're they have destroyed they've destroyed themselves through their love, and they're just constantly swirling in this kind of vortex created by their own love. Uh, an element of this song that I particularly liked, in comparison to Inferno and the scene in the Circle of Lust, is it's not a judgmental song. I mean, it's no. about a love that consumes. And the taste of love is sweet. There's this wild desire idea. But neither this nor really the the Inferno version really condemns the lustful. Like, they Mm -hmm. are tossed and turned by their bodies. It's Mm -hmm. certainly taken them further from God. But are they judged? I don't don't feel like that's a judgmental scene so much. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. I would agree with that. So, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, this song was, was on the oldest station, right? And so, listening to it, I, I feel it. I feel it's like ah, oh, this is kind of old and well played, and you know, it it belongs in the oldie section. One thing about it, I have never heard a cover of this song that was better than the original. No, right? You're right. A really lot of good. people have covered this song, and you're and you listen. To it, it's like, why did you even try? Like, stop. Mm-hmm. So, good job. They're not living it like like Johnny and June are. That's the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in an elevator with this song for two hours once. Oh, God. <laughs> so what, did the elevator stop and it was just playing over and over and over again? No, it was, it was a uh, musical event for our local PBS station, which hosts Austin City Limits. Mm-hmm. And they were playing a sizzle reel that had Ring of Fire on it. So, yeah, that. I love the song anyway. I didn't, I didn't get tired of it then. I haven't gotten tired of it now. Wow. So, I'm, still, I'm still confused about this stuff. Did you say stuck in an elevator listening to this for two hours? Yeah, I was playing elevator door hot bellhop 
Oh, okay. So it wasn't like some sort of immersive experience where they forced <laughs> you into an elevator and made you listen to it no. over and over and over. I would again. believe okay. that would like happen. Like you won in, this experience in Austin. That's totally possible. It really does. <laughs> I yeah, paid yeah. sixty bucks for this, and I'm not letting go of it. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, escape room. Next year, escape the elevator. <laughs> the worst escape room ever. So as we enter the circle of gluttony, we're going to be hearing Buck Cherry's Gluttony. Perfect song title. (laughs) I love Buck Cherry. It's on the box. Yeah. It's on the box. I want to die and kill my dirty mind. There is a lot of song about the conspicuous consumption of the rock music industry, and this is in that family for sure. Hmm. But it's really driving and fun. Mm-hmm. I noticed the video opens up with a picture of the boars, a boar's head served like Christmas style, which great symbol of decadence there and Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should have a boar's head at our retreat. Two. Two boars as a heads as yes. coming at opposite ends yes. of a demon. <laughs> <laughs> the boar with two heads. Uh, the chorus of this one, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it. Ooh. Can mm-hmm. you get more gluttonous than that? It's very uh, complex, these lyrics. Like, take a minute to, to appreciate the, the depth <laughs> of writing here. <laughs> well, there is the Queen song, I Want It All, which is very similar. I love that song. It's a great song. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So, <clears throat> I think I was an adult when I realized Buck Cherry with a Spoonerism. I, I see, I don't, I, I don't know much about Buck Cherry and explain to me the Spoonerism. Chuck Berry? Oh! Really? Interesting. Right? right? Duh! Like, I had no uh, idea. What an amazing homage. Okay. Okay. Well, All right. Okay. Uh, mm, good. Because I always just thought like Buck Cherry. It sounds yeah. It like, sounds like a cool punk punk band name, right? Rock and roll, Buck Cherry. No. So there's a nice <laughs> element of blasphemy running through this one as well. Uh, the video is set in a church. It's about food and consumption. It's about consumption generally, but food is the dominant form of consumption. This may be like a weird inverse communion in a sense. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. Also, I, I, it kind of reminded me of In Excess, The One Thing. You know, again, that video where they're all having this feast at a table, and it's all about... Excess. Sex and excess. I mm-hmm. think a reverse communion is too deep of a motif for rock and roll. Well, you spit out crackers. <laughs> yeah, I think... <laughs> I think <laughs> like a Pez dispenser. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were, they were just like, you know, we're angry at the system. We're angry at the music industry. Let's make a, a video. Like they would never have gone to let's do a reverse communion. That's that, not to say they're smart. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're, it's it's too deep. Okay, so I have another way for us to make tens of dollars, but we would have to talk to we'd have to talk to the band Ghost about this. But make Papa Emeritus. Has dispensers that spew out communion wafers. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking we could re- make like 15s of dollars with that. I think we could. Yeah, I think we're. I think uh, during the holidays, 20s of dollars. 
I think the next song Jamin kind of bailed on, and I respect that. So that leaves it to either you, Victoria, or myself to attempt to pronounce the title. <laughs> well, it's so clear from the song how to say it. So, okay, say it again. No, but it's Italian. Those should be the soft C's. What's a soft C? Thank you. Now you've said it. Uh-huh. Okay. Did we they win. actually say it in the video? They do. Very quickly. They do. Oh, mm-hmm. I never heard yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So maybe if you just say it clearly again, Jacob can snip that. And every time we try to say it, he could just put you saying it in. Uh, negative. Negative. <laughs> One of the reasons I may not have heard it was because I kept closing the tab. <laughs> Right? I'd be like, oh, let's give it another try. And they'd be like, and I'd like skip to the middle and be like, now I'm done with this song. So while I had never heard the song before, it is a huge meme song uh, along the lines of the human trumpet and a lot of kind of the other kind of strange foreign songs that just memed all over the place. Um, there's a surprising number of covers and remixes of this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One looked like kind of goth steampunky. Another was Swedish death metal influenced maybe what i didn't see that one well you you rejected this song oh <laughs> i i i want to say this i'm glad you both love it i don't dislike the song like i don't hate this song it just it didn't push any buttons for me like gotcha i was mm-hmm. there was no level of enjoyment i got from it i didn't understand it it was the wrong kind of quirky and the cover you did send me with like the good-looking people dancing around the Italian, like, statues and everything, it was so well done, I just, it didn't, yeah, like, I don't dislike this, it just, it didn't take any buttons to be a meme. Well, how did you feel about the original video of the... Say it, say it, <laughs> say it. <laughs> the kind of awkwardly, no, 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 seductively... No, 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 you have to say it. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. But uh, the weird sort of don't stand so the, the the comedic version of don't stand so close to me with the Italian instruct the instructor dancing around in front of the schoolgirls. Yeah, that um, was awkward, and I don't like awkward data points. But it's such a it's such a a candy a, a candy box of awkward. Like it's also, <laughs> so deliciously awkward. It's celebrating its fiftieth anniversary, and it's still yes. going strong. Like. 68 to to 2018 and they're still making it the, the mm-hmm. same same performer singer creator is still performing it because he uh the the original creator of is adriano celentano and he's in that video the of the cover isn't yeah. he he's the, yeah. of the cover of the later cover that i played yeah because I, I, i'm pushing for the mina clintano version uh he may be in there i mean he was still performing while it was made, for sure. I mean, he's not, he's just kind of in sort of a, like a, Wait. A, it seemed like a little bit of a cameo. Hang on. The uh-huh. dude's name is Adriano Celentano. Uh-huh. And is it, is it his daughter, Mina Celentano? Ooh. Yeah. 
that would explain why he's potentially in it. Duh. Okay. You, you just a vowel there, and that's that's what what threw me. Oh. Oh, which vowel? <laughs> I missed a lot of them. <laughs> we have established that I cannot do foreign languages to save my life. <laughs> I can't either. Um, that's why we have like, Jamin is the is the the expert we rely upon for this. Tune in next week for Jacob dies in Farsi. <laughs> so okay, have, have we explained why we picked Presential Inessential? No, no. Have we explained what the song is? No, no. <laughs> have we explained Jamin doesn't understand it? Yes, yes. <laughs> so so the song is. Presential inessential. And it was created to sound to an Italian audience like an Eng- like English spoken with an American accent. So it was supposed to be Bob Dylan-esque, but I, uh, I feel like the jury's kind of out on that. Um, Wait, was it supposed to be an Italian audience with an English accent or an English audience it was, with it's an Italian supposed to, It's supposed to sound to the Italian ear like mm-hmm. English spoken with an American accent, possibly by Bob Dylan. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm, kind I of got mumbly. that reverse. Yeah, like yeah. the mumbly. Mm. The, but the music doesn't sound... I, I feel like the mumbliness of it sounds like Bob Dylan, but the music itself does not. But the reason why we chose this nonsense song is because we thought it paired well with when they meet uh, Plutus. Yes. And the whole Papa Umau Mau <laughs> thing that he does. Papa Umau Mau. <laughs> But also, I mean, Jacob had some good notes here that I'm I'm now reading as if they're mine. Um, <laughs> the quote uh, from Celentano, ever since I started singing, I was very influenced by American music. I thought I would write a song which would only have to uh, have it as its theme, the inability to communicate, also called the language of love. This is the, the song is also called the language of love, right? Which makes no damn sense, except that I can never understand what my partner is saying. Yeah, I think, again, this goes back to... The kind of theme of what is happening with Dante and Virgil, like there's not quite language has does not really apply to what is happening with them. Hmm. I'm going to take a moment and say, Papa Satan, Papa, Papa Satan Alepe. Amoo, mao, mao. <laughs> what? So I just, I Googled, what does Plutus say in Inferno? So I could quote that, mm-hmm. right? Because we're talking about Plutus. And... Like, in the link, it's like, even though Inferno isn't a true story, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and I'm like, do you really have to clarify? Like, come on. <laughs> Bustle.com, Inferno isn't a true story. Hey, but Bustle.com is a, that's, they, they are a legit. Damn, that's some journalism right there. I beg to differ. <laughs> You see it as a true story? Papa Satan, Papa Satan Lepe. It is true for all of us in our own special way. That's that's true. I mean, yeah, the 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 actual motif. The journey. We're all on that journey. I have a personal preference for Mina Celentano's version, which is sort of an electronica remix. Uh it's got a lot of dancing by uh, Roberto Bole. And mm-hmm. I think it's angrier, darker, more orchestrated. Uh, there are church bells and Gregorian chant vibes and at least one disco call out. I think for a hellish reinterpretation, it's a little stronger, but I'll, I'll go with the original on this one. Stay in the 
Well, thank you. Thank you. I I feel like I, I want to be a purist here and go with the original for not true story. Okay. Uh, I will now agree with Jacob. Let's go with the original because what we're doing is we're evoking Plutus and his indecipherability. <gasps> right. Right. The awkward yes. danceness is more undecipherable than the well-orchestrated music video. Yeah, and like, yeah, there's a lot of uh, ookiness yeah. about the original. It one. is a mystery. It was hardcore mm-hmm. ook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yay. Teamwork makes the dream work, people. I started out with Condo 7, the spendthrifts and wastrels, leading with Cardi B's money. Which is a really great hip-hop piece. Uh, it just exemplifies conspicuous consumerism. Got a lot of sort of female-leading energy. Some commentator was saying that the entire kind of first part of the video is like this reversal of the idea of the male gaze. That's not male gaze, but male gaze. <laughs> the oh, reversal I, of the male gaze. <laughs> I, I actually heard male gaze the first time. I was like, well, you know what? You do you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like reverse the, the reverse communion, the reversal of the male gaze. Yeah. Um, it's, we're it's got we're this, not going to spell either of those for you. It's up to you, listener. It's got this sort of sense of endless hunger in it. Mm. I was born to flex diamonds on my neck like boarding jets. I like morning sex, but nothing in this world that I like more than checks. Which is kind of interestingly retro as well, because I guess checks as money is, is not literally checks. But. Wow. I'm and she's not talking about the people of Czechoslovakia. Or breakfast cereal, certainly mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Although party makes us very seasonal this time of year. The video shows her appearing in a bank vault wearing a jewel string bikini, which is kind of interestingly commoditizing herself. It's a really solid song, which I then deleted from the playlist in favor of Ninja Sex Party's Mansion Party. As you should. Yes. And I have theological reasons for this choice, although mm-hmm. it does boil down to I really like Ninja Sex Party. Seduction is like a game of chess, and I'm a queen. That is Cardi B's version is a celebration of wealth. Yeah, a celebration of wealth and greed. Ninja Sex Party shows the destructive side of wealth and greed as well. This is a song about um, a person trying to get into a girl's pants by telling her about the stunning and amazing mansion party that he'll be throwing. Models, diamond set refrigerator, and fighting pandas. And it all breaks down toward <laughs> this is the deepest conversation that has ever invoked NSP. Quite possibly. Yes. If you don't know them, Ninja Sex Party is a two-part comedy band with Danny Sexbang and Ninja Brian. They write songs <laughs> about Danny, a Jewish superhero with no powers, who tries to get and fails to get sex. That's the entire shtick, which has been going on for a great many uh, award-winning albums. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I had, I knew nothing about them. Now I'm I'm already in love with the whole... The line about the pandas, you have to really agitate the pandas to get them engaged in combat. That's like a genius, genius (laughs) line. Wrath. Do you want me to talk about wrath? Sure. (laughs) I think we picked 
And this, this was, uh, this, this went through, um, a little bit of conversation, but we landed on Cherry Bomb by the Runaways as a depiction of wrath because who is more wrathful than a teenage girl? I mean, that is a specific kind of wrath. And Joan Jett is just the embodiment of punk anger to me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, the I... Runaways themselves, I mean, they were they're an underage girl rock band. So, <laughs> I mean, they were like the song Cherry Bomb is them, you know, and the Cherry Curry, the lead singer, this was her audition song. It was written specifically for her with a play on the name uh, Cherry and Cherry. Okay. And she, she credits her, um, she credits her corset for her ability to belt out the song during the audition. <laughs> good, good data point. But also she said that at the time when she recorded it, she was just about to turn 16. And she said that if she could talk to that girl at the, the when she auditioned at 15 years old, she would say, Hey, you know what? This is really going to be okay. You're going to have a great life and you're lucky. And so I kind of feel like that's like there's this anger that has to be worked out before you can get on the other side and kind of hmm. learn to be okay. Hmm. And so I kind of like the song, even though it's very cheeky and it's about like a girl, you know, essentially telling her parents to, to you know, to up off because she's going to go, you know, seduce boys in this very primal, angry way. I don't think I realized that this wasn't a Joan Jett original. I didn't realize this Mm-mm. was a runaway. So I only knew it. From Joan Jett. Yeah, I, and it was written by Kim. Oh, forgot the name of the song, but it was Kim Bomb. It's it's a guy Kim. I can't remember, but uh, he yeah he wrote it specifically for Cherry, and I mean it's just like you know Cherry like the the explosive device like a teenage girl is an explosive device. Shakespeare himself said, "Hell hath no fury like a teenage girl scorned." Yeah, yeah. or like what was it on Animaniacs? Katie Kaboom. <laughs> I wish, I wish this could have been in the narrative arc of the story where Dante was starting to break away from Virgil. I think that mm-hmm. happens a little bit later around the city of Dis, and at this point, he's still kind of in love. And yeah, he kind of turns into a little teenage girl there. He mm. does. A little he angry does. Teenage girl. But I, I, the narrative arc doesn't quite match this song, which makes me a little bit sad. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great sort of song for a particular kind of wrath. Yes, I think, and it's just a great song. The next song is one of my favorites for like weird DJ sets, All Along the Watchtower. Specifically, the Battlestar Galactica version of All Along the Watchtower, which would be a cover of a Jimi Hendrix cover of a Bob Dylan song. I see so little similarity between Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan. That's fair. I almost think that the two of them wrote the exact same song in different rooms. And like they met and were like, whoa, really? Wow. Because is it a cover? It's a reimagining. It's a complete reinterpretation of what Jimi Hendrix did to Bob Dylan. I like both. There's so little in common. I love how this song just swirls and builds. 
Uh, it's got some biblical antecedents, too. It may be tied to the fall of Babylon hmm. and Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Let the ghost of the watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And he answered, Babylon is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. The Babylon 5 version, it's where kind of a bunch of characters are brought together under a sort of alien influence. And it's kind of a scene of like dark revelations and things like that. A really powerful piece. I would say the one complaint that I have about it is that there's a whole lot of wind up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be, I would, I would recommend a version that's just like the radio cut sort of thing of this. Cause yeah. it is a very long piece. It's for a soundtrack. And it's you can, like when the DJ wants to go do a line of Coke, you know? Right. Well, you <laughs> pick something a little bit more enthusiastic. I'd, I'd hope. <laughs> but otherwise it's cool. It's cool. I played it back to back with blue man groups, white rabbit. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hanto nine, the heresiarchs. Yeah. So this is where I, I got a little confused between heretics and heresiarchs, because heresiarchs are like, you know, the... The leaders of the cult. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this, so, ergo, this song. Right. The song uh, Kool-Aid by Accept. And I, I, I thank Musical Hype for this one in particular. This is about the Jonestown Massacre of 1978. The chorus is, we're going to mix it up, add the cyanide, you're going to feel so good, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't taste the holy water, no matter what the preacher says. This is about people dying for a false belief, and yeah. someone escaping from that belief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's the story of the People's Temple and my great escape, commuting with a man-man, the promise of utopia. It's, it's a really awesome song. What kind of blew my mind when I saw this is, except is... One of my, like, they're in my playlist. They're a, I don't even know what, what era they are, but they're old hair metal. Right? Old Euro hair metal. <laughs> they're, they're not that old. Neither are we, Jamin. Neither are we. Yeah. I'm, I'm older than y'all. Yeah. Y'all are youths. 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 <laughs> uh, so this group, they're signed with a record label. It's Nuclear Blast Records. Not nuclear. It's nuclear. Nuclear? Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. It's, it's European. Ah, right. see. Ah. And I was just like, everything Nuclear Blast does, I love, except I love. And it's just like, how did you even find this random, and now it makes sense? Like, yeah, I was going through another person's musical. Ah. Yes. In, in fairness, this was not my idea. Yeah. I just liked it. It kind of explains some things, because, yeah, some of the songs that you picked, Jacob, I was like, wow, this does not fit um, the box that I put Jacob yeah, in. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I was displaced. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I <laughs> skew it, did not skewing the, the data. Uh-huh, that's right. Yeah. Except is a band where you've got, you know, the, like three guitarists in the bass and they're all synchronized doing, you know, the guitar weaving and the head bobbing and the dancing and the hip mm-hmm. swaying together. And I, I just love that. I, I want to take a step back. I really liked all of the songs that I put in this list, even though oh. I didn't find them originally. I really enjoyed them. And some of them were like oh, I'm sure. real stretches for me musically. Okay. But yeah. these were good songs. Yeah. No, I, I, I figured that you you put them on there because you liked them, but I still found it 
It was a new dimension. Let's okay. just say it's a, a new a new dimension to Jacob. Fair. I, I'm not running and buying these people's musicologies, in fairness. <laughs> it's, it's good for us to get outside of our, our um, boxes now and again, but just don't go too far. Okay. Yeah. So do we want to talk about violence against God? Sure. Wait, no, I want to I call out Chantmania. One of the pieces that ended up on the cutting room floor on this mix was a suggestion by Brian Brazio for the Heretics and Epicureans section. That was the Masters of Chant Losing My Religion. Mm, mm-hmm. This was kind of at the tail end of the chant fad from 1994 when the Benedictine monks of Santo Domingo uh, made it big, ridiculously big. At the time, I was working in a Christian bookshop, and we played chant a lot, and it's two or three sequels a lot. But there was a parody version that came out maybe later that first year after they made it big, that was Chant Mania <laughs> by the Benzedrine monks of Santa Domonica. The Benzedrine monks? <laughs> yes. Oi. Chant Mania. Yeah, oh it had gosh. Losing My Religion, which I think this is a slightly more upscale version of that cover, and uh, as well uh, Teen Spirit, a couple others. Weird. We This is not part of the canon mix, but... I, I like this. Even like 25 years later, I still like this piece. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it too. That's I'm, I'm super excited. I about mean, Chant I Mania. did buy an album of Gregorian chants when I was in college. So I also, I did not. <laughs> what was in the water? Like what was in the zeitgeist that made that happen? It was not a great time. I think this was George Bush senior era, a lot of political turmoil. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it was, Wait, uh, why Gregorian chant or why Gregorian I'm, chant covers? I'm getting there. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, there were a couple other pieces, a couple other albums that kind of fit this bill, but I think during a fairly angry time, this was a meditative piece that hmm. really just clicked. I mean, it was right place, right time, but I think it was like a a moment of peace and quiet in a, in a very challenging period. Okay, yeah. It doesn't Tropic Thunder have a a scene with kind of a Gregorian chant pop song parody. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can remember or find that. Yeah, I wondered about that because, I mean, yeah, the 90s were not a good time. And I think I think a lot of it had to do with all of the, the plaid. Like, I still, I think I unfortunately, like, that's where I kind of hit my fashion stride was in the grunge era. And I just haven't quite gotten out of it yet. So the, the other thing was the 90s was the beginning of globalization where mm-hmm. we had more access to more things. And literally someone was like, what is this thing? I've never heard it before. Let me share it with the rest of the world and also profit off of it. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. So it's like this new and innovative thing. We've heard Gregorian chant and the rest of the Western world is like, what is this? I will pay money for it. I did. I loved it. I think also maybe we needed a spiritual moment at the end of the 80s. The 80s took a while to end. I mean, hmm. there's still traces left over floating around it. Absolutely. The long 80s, yeah. the long 90s. Okay. Are we ready to talk about violence against God now? I have been ready since day one. Did you say <laughs> Did you say violence against God? Violence against God. Because there's that some, happens. Well, there's some violins in this particular song. Yes. There's some there's some stringed instruments. So, for violence against God, 
I picked Dear God by XTC and maybe it's a maybe it's an obvious choice. Maybe it's a subtle choice, but I think it's very appropriate. It's a good song for karaoke, which also Yeah. It's a really good song for karaoke. But Andy Partridge, who is the lead singer of XCC, uh, he was inspired to write this song based on a series of children's books um, by the same name. They had the same name and they felt were kind of exploitative. And um, it was originally left off the album. It was supposed to be on Skylarking because of concerns about it being considered blasphemous or causing an uproar. And he also was concerned that it didn't quite adequately represent his feelings about religion. And so his own, he kind of sums up his own doubts this way, that he'd struggled with the concept of God and man and so on since he was a kid, even to the point where he got himself so worked up with worry about religion that around the age of seven or six, seven or eight on a summer's day, uh, he, quote, saw the clouds part. And, you know, there was this sort of classic Renaissance picture of God surrounded by his angels looking at me scornfully, which is fantastic. I wish that I was capable of such visions. But as you might re- uh, imagine, the song did provoke some violent reactions. In the U.S., one radio station received a bomb threat, and in another incident, a student forced their school to play the song over the public address system <laughs> while holding a faculty member hostage. <laughs> what? Yes. And so Partridge also received a bevy of hate mail. Uh, I, um, I want to say I'm not laughing because I approve of holding people hostage. Please don't hold no, people No, but hostage. it's pretty like that's some, you know, another brick in the wall mm. kind of, you know, schools out kind of stuff. But also I, what I like about the song is it is a slow build to where you get to this like angry, like hammering nails being hammered into a cross ending um, with him you know, exhorting God for uh, cheat, essentially lying to everybody, mm. for for violently lying to everybody and creating uh, pain and hate in the world. I'm going to say, of all the songs, I, I, I love this song. I never heard it before. It's great. Uh, I, it feels right. It feels right in the mixtape as well. I feel like, even compared to Danny Sexbang, this feels like the least <laughs> Dante song on the list. It is. It is because it's pretty, I don't know, like... Angry at God, and Dante doesn't uh-huh. go there much. I don't think he goes there at all. No, and I feel like it has a lot of, has more nuance <laughs> than a lot of, than Dante does in many cases. D- Dante's faith struggle is uh, his own, is like his own shortcomings. I don't yeah. think he mm-hmm. ever has the long night of the soul that makes him challenge God. Right. Deep. Right, right, right. Deep. hmm Possibly because you might be killed for that. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, let's here see. you just receive uh, angry hate. Well, potentially today, you know, but back in the, let's see, the song was, I think, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. You just get hate mail. But yeah, yeah. And if you've never, so do you, when you say you haven't heard the song before, is it just the song or XTC in general? Possibly XTC in general. I don't have any context <sighs> for them in my head, so you may have to give me their best of. I'm going to have to do that because they're amazing. Fair. All right. Okay. So for the next one in our show notes list, um, Victoria had written, do we have something for the sodomites? 
<laughs> Boy, do we. <laughs> a little something for the sodomites. That's all I ask. So this song is one for the sodomites. The band is Kitchen of Distinction. The song title is Four Men. I don't really think it fits the mixtape so well, but I really do love this song, and it's got some faint notes that tie it to the story. We're in the scene where Dante encounters his mentor. Some people suggest maybe more than a mentor. Uh, and there are sparks of fire raining down from the heavens, and this person is always restless, can never stay still, always has to be on the move. It's a, it's a really beautiful song. Uh, it opens with, uh, the stars are falling down to the sky. I want to say the exact opposite. I kind of feel like this song fits the mixtape really well in the place we've got it, and I wasn't too enamored of it. Like I, I don't hate it, but I was just like, uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, it's a song. Stars are falling down onto this broken-hearted, hungry clown because he can't get his fill. Never thought that he would ever want this much from a man, but love is the steepest, sharpest slide. And remember, children, a sodomite is just someone who isn't vanilla. Not in this context. <laughs> but I feel like this is also a good pairing with father figure. Yeah, it's it's um it's not not passive. It's a very active song. It's about someone's kind of. Possibly unrequited love, actually requited in the middle of the song. Mid-song requite. <laughs> Midway through. <laughs> Mid-song requiting. <laughs> the lead singer has a lot of other kind of gay songs. The band Kitchens of Distinction, they had an alter ego cover band that did ABBA and Bowie and Bauhaus. Um, Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Did, um, you, say, did you say Bauhaus? The, the German sheep band? Bauhaus. Bauhaus? <laughs> I hate you both. <laughs> There, there's, the band is from you. the band is from Tooting, England, which Tooting. <laughs> that. Um, this song does have a special place in my heart because I found it. I don't know how because the internet didn't really exist, but I found it in the early 2000s when I was kind of coming out to myself and dealing with that first gay crush, which is really a horrible roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I, I found this song and played it on loop forever. It was very kind of helpful to me, kind of cathartic. And I, I liked it a lot. I still do. Aww. I think the energy of it kind of fits that restless movement of the sodomites in Inferno. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And to Jamin's point earlier, I think that's another question for the mixtape that we haven't really talked about is what is more important, liking a song or serving the mixtape? Because I think there are a lot of songs that I was not like personally like, ah, oh, that's fine, but I realized like, okay, but in the service of the mixtape, this makes sense. But... It's not our mixtape. It's Dante's mixtape. Good point. So it has to write. So we are in service of Dante. Yes. Yeah. We are and his. We are his representation. voice because he can't mm-hmm. speak for himself. Except he does a lot. <laughs> Man, does he? Yeah. God, that guy. Okay, that makes total sense. The next song, which I guess is sixteen of seventeen, is uh, Brian Brazio's suggestion. This is Bill Withers' "Ain't No Sunshine," which. We kind of put here in the, the bridge into the lower hells where you ride on Gergen's back. Brian picked the, the Bill Withers version, but I think we're going with the Zach Wilde cover because mm-hmm. uh, the Black Label Society's version, I think it's more, it's got more artificiality, particularly in the video, and I think that plays well to the idea of Gergen and 
this kind of violence against art idea. Not to say it's a, a bad song, but it's aesthetically challenging in the video, and I think that that feels right here. You know what? I love Zach Wilde. I love Black Label Society. When I listen to this song, it's always in the other tab because he's wearing a, a horse mask. Like it's it's terrible to watch. <laughs> it's like because Zach Wilde, he's got like he's a he's a, a chunky dude. He's got big beefy arms. You can tell he lifts things that weigh more than they should. Um, and he's got talent, and he's got the horse mask, and it's like a uh, BoJack Horseman playing Zach Wilde. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just pretend the video doesn't exist. I listen to the MP3. I I love the way though his like long ponytail plays with the rubber horse man. Yeah, it yeah. looks it looks so real to me. <laughs> I, I kind of like I want to know the behind the scenes like the producer's like hey Zach put on this mask and he's like hell no and I like, no 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 it's for the video like, hell no please well and there's a chicken mask too there's, a, there's so many yeah <laughs> so many masks <laughs> sunshine and she's gone oh uh, 17 yeah last one alright sweet 17 sexy this- and 17 this was a suggestion by J. Simon Harris, who we didn't get to talk to over the course of our podcast, but we kind of met conversation in Twitter. Thank you, J. Um, Simon Harris. Yes, thank you. Thank you. He has been working on a translation of the Inferno, and in the back of his mind, and possibly on his desktop, this particular cover of Painted Black has been playing over and over again. The hmm. instrumental cover from Westworld, which has a lot of player piano reinterpretations of um, songs, modern modern music. Yeah, and this particular one, it's I think a really compelling choice for the outro into the darker regions of hell and the endpoint mm. of cassette one of four. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a heading heading into the into the wilderness of the West. Right. Right. Yeah. Manifest yeah. destiny. And he points out that Westworld has a few Dante references as well. There's an, one episode is called Contrapasso. Oh. Yeah. Which we decided on the name of our food truck. Contrapasto. Right. right yes. Right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can make that avocado pasta. Mm. Mm. Corn free. Corn free. Well, maybe there's a side of corn. It's corn, corn sprinkles. Corn, People can sprinkle corn. Their own optional. Corn optional. Like on the side, there's just a bowl of corn. If you want <laughs> corn, add your own damn corn. Well, that's part of our marketing. We are a corn optional restaurant. Yeah. In the show notes, uh, <laughs> please find Google Images, the second picture of bowl of corn. <laughs> what? 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 That's the guy that writes his name on light bulbs, right? I didn't understand. That's what. <laughs> remember Captain Sensible? Does anybody remember Captain Sensible? Not the, even. The, oh, I'm going to send you a song called uh, What by Captain Sensible. Hey. It will change your life. But leaning heavily on a modern cover of this piece caused some controversy because this is obviously one of the greatest rock songs ever. Yeah, there was, and, a, there was uh, a lot of discussion on Paint It Black. 
yeah, it was it was divisive in some ways. And while I still think my version by Gob is the best version, I look inside myself and see my heart is black. I see my red door. I must have it painted black. Maybe then I'll fade away. I will agree with you that the Westworld version fits the outro, paint it black, fade to black, like end of yeah. tape. Like, yeah, this is kind of that melancholy winding down. We don't need driven right here. You're right. I, th- mm. I think the mm-hmm. mixtape mix should expose people to kind of new sides of music, too, mm. as part of the weird obligatory gifting. That's a really weird downbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I was I was just mulling that over. Should we should we end this? Well, I I don't think it's the end so much as the beginning of the second half. Yes. Uh this is an intermesso. Mm, yes, okay. because we will be wrapping this up in the new year, I suspect with uh tape 2 you have of the world's <gasps> greatest mixtape ever. You have reached the Woo! end of side A. Please stop your podcast <laughs> and turn it over in your player. <laughs> oh, we need to have one of those, like when old film strips, we have the bing. Is that a sound? Yeah, I guess it is a sound. If you if you do it hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> sound of a record player turning over. Clonk. <laughs> Anything could be noisy if you try hard enough. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed this, please consider supporting us on Patreon. The link is on our webpage, and we would very much appreciate you joining our Patreon community. Uh, and next Christmas, we'll have some weird offering. I think we're toying with the idea of pins or something, or hmm. more Jamin art. Oh, Jamin art, or maybe even uh, actual mixtapes of our mixtapes. Can we get away with that? Find out. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Offered only in license-free countries. <laughs> Maybe if we give them away for free. Uh, oh, wait. That doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, if we give them away, uh, give them away for free. Does donation count as something given in free? Not according to PBS. Uh, <laughs> also, it's the fair market value of our podcast and mixtape, so eh. Damn. What if we have Jamin draw all of the songs and roll it up so that it's like a, <laughs> like a little <laughs> tape? Sounds beautiful. So until the second half of our second half, until the second quarter of our epic <laughs> mixtape, uh, we will see you in hell. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.
No, on Twitter they said that we had a pretty good discussion of Kanto 25. No, oh, who said that? Uh, Mr. Harris? Oh, wow. I thought, we, I thought we did a really good job with that one. That was pretty inspired. Wait, which one was 25? 